1: talk about producing good fruit my kids have really weird stomachs when it comes to mealtime their stomachs are this small when it comes to snack time their stomachs are this large any parents know what I'm talking about this morning they are obsessed with fruit they want me to produce fruit all the time every morning pastor Amrith and I get up and our kids are saying fruit fruit Apple, our son says, apple cut, apple cut, because they are obsessed with us producing fruit, and because of that, I've had to learn how to produce and divide fruit so that it lasts across the morning. And so I want to show you a trick that I've picked up in my my parenthood journey. Actually, you know, would you help hold this microphone? So sometimes we only have one apple in the house, but we have two kids, so I have learned how to take an apple like this, and with my bare hands, divide it. I am so nervous about doing this, so pray for me, okay? Are you praying? I don't think it's going to work. No. Ah! (laughs) Glory to God. And so the one becomes two. Thank you, Yuna. I'm going to need more of a round of applause for that. I was so nervous. I've been praying in the spirit all week for this moment. So anyways, I have learned how to produce fruit for my kids because I know it brings them great pleasure. In the same way, best transition ever, our Heavenly Father desires that we produce fruit. In fact, it says in the scripture in John 15, 8, When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Many of us want to glorify the Lord. Amen? Amen. We want to please Jesus. We want our lives to be worthy for his sake because he sacrificed it all for us. We want to give back out of the overflow. And if you have ever wondered how do I glorify the Lord the scripture is very clear we glorify the Lord by producing fruit we glorify the Lord by producing much fruit and in fact it proves that we are disciples now if we don't produce fruit we're not being proved as disciples we might be believers we might be converts but we're not disciples according to the words of Jesus, if we're not producing fruit. Amen. Because a fruitful banana produces more bananas. A fruitful apple produces more apples, right? A fruitful disciple of Jesus produces Jesus-like qualities and things throughout our whole life. And we are called to be fruitful so that we can glorify the Lord. So this morning, I want to ask you this question. Are you a disciple that's producing fruit. Are you a fruitful disciple? Because Christianity isn't simply about having butts and seats and attending on Sundays. We are called to be like Jesus. We are called to walk in the words and ways of Jesus, that when people encounter us, it's like they're encountering Jesus. Can I get a good amen? amen. You know, discipleship is all about being apprentices to Jesus, and in Hebrew culture, you don't just learn the teachings of a rabbi, you eventually become like the rabbi. And with Jesus, we are called to become like him. And so that means that we need to be fruitful. You know, you don't grow, however, fruit by simply chasing fruit. You develop good fruit by cultivating seeds. Many of us are so discouraged in our faith because we're like, Lord, I really do want to glorify you. Lord I really do want to please you but it's so difficult I feel like I get so busy or my past is dragging me or I I just can't make the right friends or I can't break into this church community or I I'm just so taxed out on my energy my work is so demanding or I have a new baby in my house and I'm up all night how how can I produce good fruit I don't like the things that are coming out of my mouth I don't like the decisions I'm making I don't like the direction I'm going I don't like the fruit of my Life. And so some of us, we have just been will powering our way to be like Jesus. We're like, if I can just try harder, if I can work harder, I will be more like Jesus. But that's not how it works. We don't get fruit by chasing fruit, we get and produce fruit by cultivating the seed of the gospel and by focusing on producing good fruits. Good fruit is a byproduct of good seed. John 15, 5, Jesus says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When we press into Jesus, when we remain in Christ, the natural byproduct is Christ-like fruit. Amen? And so I I learned a song, I don't know if this is appropriate for church, but when I was in elementary school, I learned about the nature of byproducts. I learned this song. Sing it if you know it. Beans, beans, the magical fruit. The more you eat, the more you I didn't say it, you said it. And so, tooting, can I say that in church, is the natural byproduct of eating beans. And not to be crass, but the same fruit of being with Jesus is becoming like Jesus. It's not through willpower, it's through the Spirit of God. It's by saying, Lord, I open up my mind, my heart, my life. Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, I am open to wherever you wanna take me. I wanna be in your presence. I wanna remain in Christ. And as we cultivate that kind of life, we naturally will produce the fruit of Christ as a byproduct. Are you tracking with me? And so God is glorified when we produce fruit. We can only truly produce fruit when we're connected to Jesus. So if you truly want to produce fruit, you must abide in Christ. You must spend time in the presence of the Lord. Well, Jesus, he teaches us, though, in this journey of producing fruit, there are often barriers that we face, and there are barriers that prevent us, and he specifically talks about three barriers that prevent us producing, from producing fruit that glorifies the Lord. He teaches in Matthew 13. or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. I love this passage, and the original audience would have understand, understood this through the context of an agrarian culture: farming, cultivating seeds, producing crops, fruits, harvests, wheat. And I, I want to show you a picture of what the original audience may have seen. So this is a, a shot of farmland in Israel, and you can see the different things Jesus talks about. He talks about the good soil, the rocky places, the the thorns. He he talks about all, all of this kind of stuff. And so you will see that there are these big rocks in the middle, and these are boundary stones that are actually separating two fields from two different owners. And we can see Jesus says, hey, there's seed because Back then, farmers weren't, like, just planting every individual seed in the ground. They would take a generous handful and kind of sling the seed all over the ground, kind of like a a sprinkler, just going wherever they could. Or sometimes they would put seed on a mule and let the pouch leak out seed and just have the mule roam the field. And so it was a a generous sowing of seeds all in these random places. And so sometimes the the seed would hit this rocky place like these boundary stones. It would land among the thorns because where those stones were, where the farmer wasn't really like deweeding it or cultivating it. So thorns would start to grow around the rocks. And you can see that good soil for like wheat, but if you notice right by the arrow below it, there's some worn out grass and field and crop because that was a path where people would walk on because they wouldn't want to crush the good soil. They wouldn't want to walk on the rocks and so they would stay to the edge of their field so that they could preserve the harvest and would create this hardened ground which was a path. And so Jesus, he uses this image, he uses this imagery so that people would understand the conditions of their heart. Because Jesus wasn't just trying to create a farming revolution. If this is your first time to church, Jesus isn't trying to make you just a literal farmer, okay? He is talking about the condition of our hearts. Some of our hearts are like this worn down path. Some of our hearts are like rocky soil. Some of our hearts are like the thorn, thorny area. Some of us are like this worn down path. And these are barriers for producing good fruit in order to glorify the Lord. And I, I'm not, a, I'm not a farmer. That's Pastor Amrita's family. Talk to her if you want to. Her, both her grandparents were Amish. She grew up Mennonite in Kansas. First time I went to their house, I saw the tractors. Her dad used to put her to sleep by putting her on the John Deere tractor. Come on, somebody. So if you have any real farming questions, talk to her. She will teach you in the ways. But I I know and relate to this passage because I've killed a lot of houseplants. Anybody with me? I I mow a lawn and uh, that's about it. But he's talking about barriers to producing a great harvest in our heart as followers of jesus to glorify the lord so let's talk about this the first thing he mentions is the path he later on explains this parable in verse 9 he says when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart this is the seed sown along the path you know we need to understand the gospel or the enemy will steal the seed of the gospel in us. You know, as a pastor, I meet so many people who have heard or seen ugly things when it comes to the church, have heard or seen ugly things when it comes to Christians on social media. Hello? We've seen so many ugly things, so then when it comes to receiving Jesus, receiving the word, receiving the gospel, it's like that path. Hey, I've been there, I've seen that, I've done that. I am just not open To any of that because you all are crazy hateful mean people the gospel just doesn't make sense to me it doesn't apply to me so before I even like hear a message or I'm open to this God experience I just want to let you know my heart has closed I am not wanting this. Has anybody been there in your life where you just didn't want any of the things of God? And so that is like the hardened path. You know, there's a story where uh, a husband and wife are getting ready for dinner, and the husband said, "Honey, is uh, uh, what are we having for dinner?" No response. A little aggravated, he asks again, "Honey, what are we having for dinner?" No response. So he's getting really upset. Finally, he yells, "Honey!" What are we having for dinner? Then she says, for the third time, we're having chicken. See, he was hard of hearing. He thought the problem was his wife, but the problem was his inability to hear the word of the Lord slash wife. Can I get a good amen? (laughs) You ever talk to a spouse and you feel like they're listening, but they're not hearing? Jesus would call that falling on deaf ears, and that's why he even ends this parable. He says, hey, if you have ears to hear, listen, because sometimes we can listen, but not really listen, amen, Amen. and we can be like that, that hardened path. You know, being a pastor, it gives us a, a front row perspective to see that sometimes you preach the same sermon to one person and another person in the same room, and they have completely different experiences, Someone's leaning in, someone's leaning back. Someone has an open heart, someone has a closed heart. Someone's saying, Lord, shape me. I want to have a soft heart, and others have a hard heart. And what do you think is more enjoyable to preach to? The person who's leaning back or leaning in. You know, because we can tell. We can see when you're taking notes. We can see when you're receiving the word. I mean, after sermons, I think people are sometimes afraid to approach me because they'll say, hey, Pastor Pretty, but that was such a good sermon. Uh, And then I'll say, what did you like about it? And then you see the fear (laughs) and the mind go blank because I'm forcing them to process. A seed will not produce fruit unless it's received. And sometimes the soil gets so hard. I don't know if you've ever tried to plant a garden or been out in a field and the ground is just so hard. And so what do you do? You pray for rain to soften up the soil. You, You loosen up the soil so that the seed can be received. The same thing must happen to us as followers of Jesus. Some of you are wondering, why am I not going deeper in my faith? It's because you don't have a pursuit to understand the gospel. Because we live, honestly, I'm not trying to be mean here, but we live in an age of information. There are podcasts. There are books. There are amazing churches. There are people of God who would love to take you into the deeper things of scripture and the gospel. But a ministry program will never replace a hungry heart. A discipleship program, a podcast, a sermon, a book, all great tools, all great information. But if it falls on deaf ears, that seed will not be cultivated. Are you leaning into the Lord? Are you leaning into your growth experience or have you already maxed out on your potential? You know, I remember when I first became a Christian, I was so hungry for the Lord. My friend would ask me, what would you do today? I read the New Testament. My best friend and I, Ben, we would hitchhike to prophetic conferences just to learn more about the Lord. And we wouldn't have a ride back. And we would stand in every prayer line to receive any word we could. We would find and sometimes steal, Lord, forgive us, cassette tapes filled with teachings Mm -hmm. and just dive in and read and learn. I, in the summer, the first time I was Christian, the first summer I was Christian, I would show up at the church at 8 a.m. every day and not leave till 6 p.m. Because I was just so hungry. And in that time, I grew and I began to serve, and I understood the Lord, and the seed of the gospel was cultivated in my heart. But now that I'm a pastor, and I have kids, I sense that my heart is hardening. The hunger, the passion, I can be comfortable in my faith. Oh, I know that scripture. Oh, I've read that book. I've heard this sermon before. Ah, And I'm like, Lord, would you soften my heart? Because even as a pastor, I want to cultivate the seed of the gospel. I want to produce a good harvest to glorify the Lord, because he's still not done growing in me. And I pray that that is your posture today, that we as a community would say, Holy Spirit, would you enter our hearts? Would you let the gospel produce much fruit in our lives? Because the Lord can't ignore a hungry heart. And I want to challenge us today. Would you posture yourself to lean in and heed the warning of the Lord that we wouldn't have hardened hearts? but we would ask the great farmer of our Lord to loosen up the soil that we might receive his word. Amen? Amen. 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 I love this. The second thing he says and warns us about what's preventing us from glorifying the Lord and producing good fruit is the rocky ground. In verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. I've noticed people who have hard hearts towards the Lord, they're open to the Lord once they experience tragedy. And in their own strength, they can't solve the problem. Hello? And the same tragedy often also causes us to run away from the Lord. Tragedy can cause us to run to the Lord or away from the Lord. And I think many of us have received this gospel where if you raise your hand, if you pray this prayer, if you become a Christian, everything in your life is going to be peaceful and okay and comfortable, and you're never going to face any problems. You're just going to smile, and there's just going to be worship music all around you, and Holy Spirit doves are just going to flutter all around your house, and... Uh, You know, like, that's not the reality, though, amen? But when you receive that gospel, where if you just become Christian, everything is going to be nice and hunky-dory, as the people in Seattle say, no, they don't. (laughs) When real tragedy hits you, you run away from God. You're like, God, where were you when my child was going through this? God, why am I having a hard time paying rent? I thought you were real. I thought you answered prayers. Lord, I gave you everything. Why are you not here when I've given you my whole life? You know, uh, we had a seed to plant a church right here in Seattle. Kalo's church turns four years old this month. Glory to God. And for a weird perspective, we were only two years old when the pandemic started. (laughs) So half our time. My goodness. And we had to sacrifice a lot. A lot of us moved here from different parts of the nation to start this church, and it, it strained our families, it strained our hearts, it came at a great cost. And I remember us, when we were first planting, we were full of passion and vision, and we still are, but we had a little bit of a naive heart, because we thought, okay, we, we have counted the cost, Lord, we're going after it, we have your blessings, we have people praying for us, this is just going to be easy, but it was so difficult. I remember a couple months into it, Pastor Amrita's father suddenly passed away. Divorces suddenly came upon many people in her family. My sister, who was living in India at the time, she got dengue fever. And for three months, she was in the hospital and she went blind. And we're like, what is happening, Lord? We're, we said yes to, to receive everything that you have for us. Shouldn't this be easy? Then my stepdad, who was a pastor, he, 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 he lost a battle to cancer. He fought so hard. We invested so much money into this, into treatments and methods, and we just watched him fade away as we were planting this church. And I, I've just seen so many people, they, they've said, Pastor Pradeeman, I gave my life to the Lord, and everything became Harder. I got in fights with people at home. They didn't understand me anymore. I found it difficult to to be the person I used to be at work. Life became difficult. And the saddest part is in those moments, I've seen people walk away from the Lord because they, they did not receive a theologically accurate version of the gospel. Because here's the deal. Suffering is part of the Christian experience. Suffering is part of the Christian experience. If you don't believe me, Why don't you ask the pastors in Afghanistan right now who are dying because of their faith in Jesus Christ. You know, in 1 Peter 4, the scripture says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fire ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed through us. And so when you hit rocky places, it's easy to fall away. But Jesus, he teaches us and warns us, don't let your faith just be surface level. Many of us have a rocky ground faith where we let the seed of the gospel go down so far, but there are places in our heart that are dark and deep and rocky. And we're like, Lord, I'll let you touch this part of my life, but not that part of my life. That's too intimate. That's too vulnerable. Lord, you can have this part of my life, but not my finances, because i got to impress these people. Lord, you can have this part of my life, but not my sexuality, because that belongs to me alone. You can touch this part of my life, but not my career, because this is what my family has always done. You can touch my part of life, but not this tragedy. And I've experienced that. You know, many of you understand the battles that we face with our children and different diagnoses we've experienced. And I find myself able to pray for the church, but not for my children. A lot. Today. Yesterday. And it is scary and it's painful because the Lord's timing is not my timing. And I so wish he was just like a genie in a bottle who did what I wanted. But I found that prayer isn't for me to manipulate the Lord, but it is formative to my heart. Amen. And I say, Lord, let your will be done. Even though I don't like it, even though it's rocky, even though it's, I feel like you're being so cold, even so, Lord, I open my heart. And I say, would you dig down deep in me? Would my faith not just be surface level, but real? Because I need you. I can't do this alone. In the same tragedy, Lord, that could tear me from you, Lord, let me draw close to you that your gospel be been rooted deep in my heart. Because what you'll experience is the same rocks that keep the roots of Christ to go deep in you are the same rocks that will anchor the gospel for the next tragedy. And that can be your reality today. And so I, I just ask, would you let the Lord remove the stones and shift them and do whatever He wants so that your roots can go deep beyond surface level? If you've ever under, like, really been concerned, Lord, why can't I just go deeper in my faith? Why can't I go deeper? Well, maybe before you go deeper in Christ, you need to allow Christ to go deeper into you. And stop blaming your church, yes, yeah. stop blaming podcasts, stop blaming us pastors, because guess what? I can't cake you deeper than the Lord can. I can't take you deeper if your heart is hard. You can be as fruitful as you want to be. Third thing Jesus says that can prevent us from glorifying him and producing great fruit is thorns. Verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, this is the one I feel most Americans fall into. I mean, honestly, if you're in church this morning, my guess is you assume you're good soil. But I want to challenge you don't assume you're good soil. Just because you're growing doesn't mean you're good soil. Because guess what? Healthy things grow, but so do weeds. And oftentimes, weeds grow faster than the healthy things. I have a lawn, and I have a heat dome. My grass is brown. My weeds are not. I don't understand it, Selah. And so when I mow the lawn, I'm not mowing the grass. I'm mowing the weeds. My grass isn't growing in over a year. <laughs> Anybody resonate with that? It's the grass is not growing in my lot. It's the weeds. When I pull out the lawnmower, it is to cut down the weeds. And many of us assume we're good soil because we're experiencing growth. But here's the deal. Thorns, weeds can be sown into this healthy soil. And eventually what happens is good things, legitimate pleasures, choke out the growth of the gospel in your life. I mean, I, I see people fall into relationships, and it's good. But then eventually you don't have time for the Bible. You don't have time to serve in church anymore. And it chokes out. The gospel in your life. I see people, I mean, I went to Bible college with so so many people who said, you know what, I just want to get a job in the business world, make lots of money so that I can invest in the gospel being spread around the world. Well, then they get this big house and suddenly their work is so demanding, they don't have time to invest in the kingdom anymore because they bought a house they couldn't afford to impress people that they didn't like and now they can't glorify the Lord by investing into the kingdom. The seed of thorns choked out the seed of the gospel. I've seen people have an open heart to the gospel. They fall in love with Jesus, but then the seeds of a consumeristic lifestyle invade in. The seeds of a hobby invade in. Legitimate pleasures but they start to choke out the gospel. I see people wanting to look after the ways of God and wanting to protect the house of God, but then the seeds of political conspiracy theories begin to be the things that we proclaim to the world instead of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is choked out, and people start to identify Christians by politics alone instead of the self-sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's so innocent because we assume we're good soil. But what a farmer will do is have to sift through that because if we deroot, sometimes we pull out both healthy things, and so it's a meticulous process. And we need the Word of God to cut between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit, and sometimes the Lord just burns away all the weeds in our heart. And we need the refinement of the Lord to sift us. Anybody need your heart to be sifted? Because our heart can be so deceitful. And we have these ideals of ministry, but we've lived long enough to see that ideals quickly become idols when it replaces the word of the gospel. And it's the oldest trick in the book. The devil wants you to question the word. He wants you to say, did God really say this? And so if we can throw all these different things in the gospel, if we can get church in bed with different organizations, we'll see that church in bed with different organizations creates children, and we don't know what's God and what's not. And it's so dangerous, and it's so innocent, and it's so slippery, but Jesus says it will, pre- it will prevent us from producing good fruit. Healthy things grow but so do we. So we say, Lord, would you sift our hearts? Would you refine us in the fire? The fourth thing Jesus says is good soil. 23, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. And this is what we want as a community. You know, over the past few months since we've been back in person, we've received a lot of new people at Kilo's church. And God is really developing and cultivating truly a diverse and multi-ethnic church from different backgrounds and different politics and different just experiences. And I think it is so beautiful and so proud to be part of this church. But what we need to do is make sure that we are a community that's good soil so that the Lord can do whatever he wants to do. Amen. I mean, that's our heart posture. If you want to know what is Kaolos all about, we are all about making known the beauty of Jesus. We want to glorify Jesus. We want to lift up the name of Jesus. We want to be a blessing not only in this room but this whole region so that people would know him and that as followers of Jesus, we would produce followers of Jesus, amen, because that's what fruitful things do. And so honestly, in praying and thinking, How do we as pastors steward this season? How do we as a lead team and department head steward this next season? We decided to do something that we've never done in the history of Kalos Church. We are not doing free market small groups this season where we have basketball groups or video game groups or book groups and we meet weekly. We're going to do something differently. Starting in September 26, we are launching a 10-week discipleship intensive called Rooted where we're going to allow the seeds of Christ to be rooted in us and for us to be rooted in Jesus, the true vine. And what we're going to do is we're going to place various people in diverse groups of 10 to 14 people so that we can read the scriptures together, we can pray together, that we can pray for one another, where we can do small intimate outreaches together, and where we can be known where we can be directed, where we can learn basic theology, and where we as a community can say, Holy Spirit, would you soften the soil of my heart so I can receive the seed of the gospel? Holy Spirit, would you move around the stony parts of my heart so that we can go down deep? And Holy Spirit, would you separate the weed from the true gospel? And some of you might just be separated from weed in general. That was a weird joke. You can laugh. (laughs) Be sober-minded, Lord. (laughs) So anyways, we're launching this discipleship experience because Christianity is not just about butts and seeds. But we're going to create this experience, a discipleship intensive, so that we can produce a harvest. We can be fruitful in a way that glorifies this Jesus who died for us. This Lord who laid down everything. And so now, Lord, we can say we lay down our lives so that we can cultivate and give birth to godly things in our lives. So I want to encourage you, if you're part of the Kalos community, if you're looking to be part of the Kalos community, if you consider us your pastors or this, your people, please join our Rooted group. Because I believe that this is going to be a serious foundation for the direction we're going. Because this church is not just a social club. We are people that live and breathe Jesus and want to glorify the Lord through fruitful lives. Amen. 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 So you can visit this website and sign up, and we'll be in contact with you. And I pray you do. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. And even now, we just say we're open. Would you cultivate that seed in our hearts? pray they would produce fruit. Lord, I pray even right now that you would uh, put a conviction in our hearts that we wouldn't be choked out by conveniences or a busy schedule or hobbies and not leave room for what you're wanting to do. Lord, we can be so so lost, so deceived. And so, Lord, I I just pray that you would help us as a community to be rooted in you, not tossed to and fro by the loudest voices or culture, but by your voice, Lord by your direction, that's what we want. So help us, Lord, to go deeper into you and for you to go deeper into us. We pray in the name of Jesus,
0: in everybody's name, amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 9.45 and 11.30 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalosshirts. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.